From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Oh, you made it. That you did. Hump day, 5 o'clock. Cofield and Company take over by the company. Adam Candy, Willie Ramirez, Steve Cofield is on assignment. I don't know. That sounds good. I don't know where, what the assignment might be. He, it's not, you know, he doesn't really do a lot of work around here, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe we found something for him to do for once. Uh, but Candy Ramirez and Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios with a whole bunch of Aaron Rodgers. I know you want more. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Let's get this part out of the way right off the top with Aaron Rodgers. Hub Arkish, the MVP voter who said that he's not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers because he's the biggest jerk in the league, is wrong. 100%, no question, wrong. You don't make that decision based on something that you disagree with his personality. You call him a jerk. That's not the way to do this. And I will say in full disclosure, we tried to get Hub on the show today. He wasn't able to join us uh, schedule-wise, so we are not saying anything that we would not have said otherwise if Hub were right here with us on the show. Uh, naturally, Aaron Rodgers was asked in his weekly media availability today what he thought about the comments from Hub Arkish. And just like Aaron does, he always does it this way, High road, nothing but high road. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But I mean, to and I listened to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, in the off season, that you know I had zero chance of winning the BP. In my opinion, should exclude, you know, future future votes. Um. Okay. All right. I'll give Aaron that much. I'll give Aaron that much that if a guy is willing to expose his biases in the way that Hub Arkish did, that absolutely there should be questions about whether that person should be voting for awards moving forward because you naturally have to deal with the perception that this person has other biases. So, Aaron, what do you think was the problem here? You know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. Cause he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Fair. This is fair. This is Aaron Rodgers standing up for himself in a way that I think makes perfect sense, where he says, this guy came out here and said something about me that is based on only his opinion of me. Not based on factor interaction. And let's be clear that Hub Arkish, as a voter and as a media member, has access to Aaron Rodgers that other people do not. If he wants to ask a question, he can go on a Packers media availability and ask a question. Now, maybe he thinks that the questions about Aaron Rodgers' vaccination status and whether he misled the media, whether he misled the NFL, I think it's pretty clear he did with the immunized versus vaccinated situation. Maybe he thinks that that was asked and answered. Okay. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers is out of line here. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is at all out of line to say that Hub Arkish could have come directly to him. I don't think he's out of line. Wait, what else did he say? His problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and, 
come up with an, an extra letter to put on the award just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He doesn't know I do. I am. He's never, never talked to me in his life. But it's unfortunate that those those sentiments. It's surprising that he would even say that, to be honest. But yeah, I knew this was possible. Talked about it on Mac a few weeks ago. But crazy, crazy, crazy. Aaron Rodgers said. To believe that I was that close to being in Aaron Rodgers' corner for the first time this season, that had he just taken the high road, had he just said that Hub Arkish is a bum, and by the way, I love the fact that bringing back words like bum and jerk to talk about each other like we're having a fight 40 years ago, but Hub Arkish was wrong, and Aaron Rodgers is right to call him out for it. And then he had to go and go back onto the crusade. Mm-hmm. Who's really on the crusade here, Aaron? Who's really on the crusade? Do we have to have some sort of garbage about most valuable vaccinated play? Stop. Stop. We don't need to go there. You had it, Aaron. You were so close. Willie, he was so close. He was so close to getting what he wanted, which was people to be on his side. All Aaron Rodgers ever wanted is for people to love him. Love him more. Love me. And then he had to go MVVP, Willie. Yes, right there with you. That was a unnecessary final exclamation point that he did not need to put. He could have just put a period on it, not the exclamation. Because the fact that Hub Arkin said, I'm not voting because he's a jerk, is... You know what? There's a reason that Darren Waller is up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. That is being the man of the year. The, the gentleman community guy the out there the the type of person the mvp is the person that's doing something on the field and that's what he should be judged on not whether or not he's vaccinated not whether or not he's a jerk that has nothing to do with it so when you expose yourself as a voter uh i think that's a problem for rogers he could have left it as is and and but he had to take it that step further and as most people do on either side, depending how far left or right you are, there's always an agenda to back up an argument that doesn't need to be brought in. You know, you do not need to clash those 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 arguments. And I think that's where we're at with, with two with two people here. But I'm right there with you where he it, it was so close to just needing to, to, to just allowing everyone to be Aaron's right. And then he blew it number four and you know what guess what Aaron Rodgers the most valuable unvaccinated player might not even be you might not be Aaron Rodgers this year might be Kirk Cousins no (laughs) I'm kidding it's not Kirk Cousins Uh, there is a highly valuable unvaccinated player who is actually in action right now Willie nine minutes 0 for 3 Two turnovers, one assist, and one steal. I, of course, am talking about noted flat earth anti-vaccine proponent, the man of the people himself, Kyrie Irving, is back on the court for the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously not in Brooklyn. He can't play in Brooklyn. That's part of the problem. 
He's playing in Indiana with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, are you excited to see Kyrie back on the floor? Uh, I don't, you know, it's, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I really haven't watched that much NBA. So as far as the storyline is concerned, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know where I stand with the, with these guys in the, in the mandates. I, I sort of, I sort of gave you my stance earlier in the show and saying that, you know, um, if you're, if you're going to take one stance, then you're going to have to abide by the rules in, in which you live and work and, and the governing bodies in which you, you know, conduct your business. So, I mean, is he getting to, is he getting to play finally? And, and that's good for him. Sure. You know, um, is it going to disrupt things for a very talented roster down the stretch? And could it pose a problem? Is it, I think that they've got past the whole distraction part of it and they've learned to play without him. Um, it, it remains to be seen as far as what impact this could have if they enter a city, play a team that possibly is on the brink of having an outbreak, but they don't know because they're all asymptomatic and they're just sort of harboring those, you know, that that virus that hasn't come out yet. But then they go to the next city and him being the unvaccinated one, you know, he could be the carrier. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's a tough call because, you know, you don't want to see anybody sort of being left out but he made the call that was his choice personal choice again you have to live by the rules my excitement for Kyrie Irving has nothing to do with what he does or doesn't do on the floor tonight my excitement is for the post-game press conference I can't <laughs> wait for Kyrie to have to get back in front of all of us the people he despises so much he hates us and i don't use that word lightly he hates us well Kyrie, guess what you're back we get to ask you questions again number three and when it comes to asking questions um you always got to be careful when you're talking to the kings in college sports you got to be careful the way you talk mm. to the coaches you got to be careful if you're going to go out there and ask brian kelly about accents I mean, because guys from Boston don't have strong accents, right? He said it last night. They don't have strong accents. You got to be careful when you go out there and you talk to Urban Meyer and you say, Urban, can you take your hoodie off while while we do this interview? You got to be careful when you go out there and ask Roy Williams about North Carolina basketball. And you sure as hell have to be careful if you're talking to the man himself, his victory retirement tour underway Mike Krzyzewski uh, Duke against Georgia Tech last night and Duke of course sending off Mike Krzyzewski in style this year but one of Georgia Tech's players deigned to talk directly to Mike Krzyzewski now back in the day it was made clear like certain people you do not look them in the eye when you talk to them uh major musicians and heads of state. I don't remember seeing Mike Krzyzewski's name on that list. And yet Mike had a lecture to give to this young man. And according to player Michael DeVoe, uh, apparently Mike pulled the do you know who I am card on him. You don't talk to me like that. To the point where Josh Pastner, the Georgia Tech coach, had to have this to say afterward. I told coach I would have talked to I, I would talk to uh, 
uh, Michael, and obviously I'll keep that between Michael and I, what, what needs to be, you know, what, I was, what I'll tell Michael. But uh, I, I can tell you that we have nothing but the highest level of respect for Coach. Our young men have nothing but the highest level of respect for Coach K. Michael DeVoe's a really good kid. He's a good kid. He's a good player. You know, in the, again, I don't know what was happening because I wasn't there, but I didn't even see anything. I was, you know, but in the heat of the moment, if a, you know, um, but you can't do that. You, no matter what the situation is, you can. You, you never. No, no player should ever talk to an opposing coach. In a, in a, so I don't know exactly on that, but I will talk to Michael and have that private conversation with him. Josh Pastner is 100% correct. No player should be talking to a coach, especially during the game. That, that's, that's poor sportsmanship. It's not good behavior. But let's also remember something else. Michael DeVoe is a child. He is a large child, but he is a child in the game of life because he's still in college. And we're all prone to emotional situations, especially at that age. But you know who knows better? The guy who knows better is the coach who has been around basketball for his entire life, for the guy who is in his 70s. Mike Krzyzewski knows better than to walk out to midcourt following the kid, than to lecture after the game. Let Josh Pastner handle that. It's his kid. It's his program. I, for one, am tired of the Mike Krzyzewski holier-than-thou act. I'm not saying I want him to retire because of that, but this sort of crap happens too often with him. We've heard him in press conferences going after other players before it is not your job to coach every player in college basketball it is your job to coach the players at duke and josh pastor had to get out there and sound like he was apologizing to the man on the mountain for what his kid did when the kid himself went up after the game and apologized shashevsky needs to let this kind of thing go i couldn't agree with you more i mean you couldn't i i can't say it any better and Listening to Pastner's talk, and I'm thinking to myself, why is your player, I don't care if you're Kevin Kruger, TJ Otzelberger, or Mike Krzyzewski, you do not talk to an opposing coach. You want to talk trash, you want to you want to go back and forth with one of the players, part of the competitiveness, you know, in your face, nothing but net, blah, 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 whatever. But you don't talk to the opposing coach. Uh, when I saw the video and saw Krzyzewski, who... You know, we all had a chance to interview earlier this season right here in Las Vegas when Duke beat Gonzaga. Um, you know, go out onto the court during the game, make a comment, and then afterwards pull the kid aside and lecture him. I was astonished. I really was. I was and then talks to the coach. Now, I don't know if the coach initiated the conversation or if Krzyzewski told him um, – you know, I, I, I had a talk with your player, blah, blah, blah. But it's not that is something that you save for the very end of the game, the very end of the handshake, and the very last thing you may say after good game coach is, hey, just to let you know, and then let your coach handle it. But, Adam, I can't reiterate or I can't say it any better than you said because I, I agree 100% on every aspect of that. Number two. Golden Knights fall last night to Nashville, and of course, it's getting to be one of those situations that kind of reminds you of year one with the Golden Knights. Robin Leonard out injured, Laurent Brassois misses a second game. The two goalies last night, Logan Thompson and Dylan Ferguson, and Willie, you were there. Uh, yeah. The Golden Knights end up losing 3-2, but Logan Thompson in his first career start certainly was not the reason the Golden Knights fell in that game. No, they held on. Uh, they... Uh, Logan Thompson played outstanding. I mean, in the first period, 
He was the best player on the ice for the Golden Knights, maybe on both sides considering he faced more shots, and the fact that there were eight icing calls in the first period, all on the Golden Knights. So uh, I think that he held his own and proved for right now that if he's got to hold it down, we're not sure how I saw uh, Waswa up in the press box um, grabbing snacks in between periods. Seemed fine. And and the thing is, depending on what – I'm not sure if they've labeled it, but if he's – if he got – he took a knee to the head the previous game. So if it's just to sit him and rest him, I don't know how much of it might be in concussion protocol if that's what they're labeling. I don't know. But they're not going to put him way up at the top of T-Mobile with something like that because what goes on with the brain. Um, But to your point, no. Um, Their offense has suddenly gone stagnant in losing the last two games. Um, They couldn't get anything going until late. They did rally a little bit, yes. But... The way that they were playing, the way that they're performing prior to and during this overall winning run that's got them to the top of the Western Conference. Um, is it alarming? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But as we've seen now that we cover hockey all the time during the NHL season, four and a half seasons in, teams go through lulls. They have these issues. Um, it's a matter of how they respond and, and the resiliency that they've shown throughout this season with injuries couple of COVID issues. Um, you know, there's some big games coming up, big emotional games. It's a big emotional week. Usually it's for the guys coming in, right? But you uh, Sunday at Winnipeg with Paul Stastny and Nate Schmidt. Tomorrow you got Ryan Reeves and Gerard Gallant. Saturday is the big one with Marc-Andre Fleury. So I think that it's also just as big for these guys in the storylines that, hey, look who's coming, that it is for those guys that are going to show up. Now, I'm not saying it's an affecting their play in the ice, but it's 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 somewhat emotionally charged. So um, tomorrow will be interesting because of the way that the Rangers have been playing. They've been playing some of their best hockey in years under Gerard Gallant. They're saying that it's finally the cohesive and ke- uh, cohesive play and chemistry that that organization has been looking for. And, of course, Ryan Reeves with the physicality. So I'm interested to see how they respond tomorrow. Number one. We started to do this yesterday. Um, and as much as we give Ari a lot of grief, Ari <laughs> deserves the floor here for himself for a minute because Adam and I took the opportunity to use Ari's 10-year anniversary at Lotus Broadcasting. Maybe someone he even was has listening. To, he even has to do the work uh, himself <laughs> on that one. But Ari, congratulations. 10-year anniversary with Lotus Broadcasting. Sir, the floor. What would you like to say to the people about the last 10 years? Uh, thank you all. This is such a big honor. I had no idea we were going to stop the whole show just to focus oh, yeah. on this 10-year. <laughs> uh, no, I, I guess there's just a couple things. When I started this job, it was just a part-time gig, remote tech. As we all start here, generally, uh, tech people anyway, producers and such, we that's kind of the starting point. It's like the, and I mean this in the best way possible, it's like the dishwasher busboy of the restaurant. You work your way up. Um, so, yeah, I've been grinding it out, and I'm actually pretty uh, pretty proud of where I am, all joking aside. It is taking quite some time, but I used to uh, do the uh, Cofield & Company on the road as a remote tech, 
And I used to think to myself, this show is really cool. Eh, one day, if, if it ever happened and I was ever even producing, it would be really cool to jump on that. I'm not going to say it's my dream forever, but I will say, like, I actually did aspire to maybe one day do this. So it is pretty awesome. And it all fell together a couple years ago. And here I am. So and here you are. Company here, is, here you are. The company, uh, the floor is mine, right? The company has been really good to me. We've had our ups and downs, but if you're listening, you know I love you and I appreciate you, Lotus, and all those who sign my checks. Uh, do you have anything to say to Brady? Ha, 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 I'm here and you're not. Damn! Mic drop from Ari. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570 9000. It's one thing to come in here and after a loss and say, you know, we're building the right stuff. We have a lot of character. We have a lot of good guys in the locker room. But it feels good to come out and really have some proof that we are. You know, all it means is we got to win next week. We put ourselves in a good chance to win next week, and uh, we're in the playoffs. And that's what, you know, we've all talked about um, since the beginning. Just give us a chance in the dance. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Hunter Renfro. Talking about the Raiders getting ready for the huge game Sunday night at Elysian Stadium. Adam Candy, Willie Ramirez, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios here on Cofield and Company. With us in just a minute, Chris Hare from CBS LA going to talk to us about the Chargers on their end. We've got the injury report for both teams from today. We'll get you updated on that really quickly on the injuries of note on both sides here i think most importantly for raiders fans you're of course tracking to see what's going on with darren waller listed with the walkthrough today as a limited participant uh that goes along with josh jacobs along with trayvon merrick denzel perryman all listed as limited uh jonathan hankins listed uh did not practice with back other than that just veteran rest days for a couple of guys full participation for Divine Diablo, Andre James, Quentin Jefferson, Foster Moreau, Keyshawn Nixon, John Simpson, uh, Solomon Thomas, uh, among others. On the Chargers side, uh, this one is the one you have to keep an eye on because Derwin James, their all-world safety, was knocked out of the game against the Chiefs. That's when everything changed in the game against the Chiefs. But he was a full participant today dealing with a hamstring. Uh, their starting center, free agent acquisition from Green Bay, Corey Lindsley, did not practice with a back injury. Chris Ayer talks Chargers in just a moment here on Cofield and Company. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios. You watch Herbert back there. He's a guy that, you know, got a lot of poise back there. He's someone that I've really noticed, you know, not too many quarterbacks can go from this first, second, all the way to the third read in the offense. And so he's really good at that. We know that he, he presents a lot of challenges, but um, we have a tremendous D-line that, you know, we expect to get after him. And so we can't let him just sit back there. But we know that uh, he has plenty of weapons and he's looking really good back there. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Raiders linebacker KJ Wright talking about Justin Herbert in advance of the huge contest at Allegiant Stadium for all of the marbles. God, I love that phrase. All of the marbles this weekend. Uh, Chris Hare, CBS LA Chargers team reporter. I know, Chris, that you and Ari have been trying to work out this appearance 
for the longest time here on Cofield and Company. And wouldn't you know that now is when it finally works out with this game on the docket in Week 18. Yeah, Ari was just saying, you know, it's like we did it on purpose. Let's just keep pushing this thing back until it really, really, really counts, right? And, I mean, you can't script it any better. Sunday Night Football certainly can't script it any better. Week 18, winner take all between two bitter rivals in the AFC West. Doesn't get any better. So these bitter rivals have had interesting seasons for different reasons. We know how the highs have been for the Chargers, and we know what the lows have been for the Chargers. As someone who follows the team regularly, how do you get a sense of what you think this team will do in Week 18, given the peaks and valleys that we've seen from them all year? Well, I think the one thing right now, guys, is that they're finally healthy, and I don't think I can overstate just how important Derwin James is to this Chargers defense. And um, I think for any football fan, if you have an opportunity to watch his mic'd up against the Broncos, um, go ahead and <laughs> check that out. I mean, he, his his energy is infectious, and it really hits all three phases of the team. It's not just the defense. I mean, um, that energy that he brings, the offense feeds off it, special teams feeds off it. And um, you certainly – saw what the defense was like on Thursday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs when he wasn't out there to guard Travis Kelsey. And, you know, uh, you saw what he was able to do in week four. I think he sealed the game uh, against the Raiders with, with a pick in the fourth quarter. So I use him as an example, but there's a lot of guys that, that are back. You know, Mike Williams was back last week. Um, Austin Eckler back in the fold. Um, the, the secondary is whole again with Chris Harris Jr. and Asante Samuel back with a couple games under his belt. So um, I think it's largely been up and down because of some of the injuries the Chargers have had and, and obviously some consistency issues. Um, but I think they're as, as healthy as you're going to be. Obviously there's a couple um, question marks going into this week. But um, by all intents and purposes, Week 18, um, I, I think they're hoping that the team that, that showed up against the Denver Broncos Sunday is the team that will translate over to Vegas this Sunday night. You know, it's funny that you that you went right to the Derwin James situation because <laughs> I debated whether I was going to ask you that first or whether I'd ask you about the general state of the Chargers. I don't know that it can be understated from that Chiefs game how different the Chargers were before and after he went out. I mean, the Chiefs had yeah. 13 points with eight minutes left in regulation, and then his injury was pretty much when when things flipped uh, for the Chargers. There's another major injury, I think, that needs to be uh, discussed, though. What's the situation with Corey Lindsley in the middle of that offensive line? Yeah, you know, Brandon Stanley said today that he's he's just going to give Corey the week, especially early in the week, to just trust his body. And um, I, don't, I don't think he practiced today. He was, I think he was a, a DMP on, on the practice report today. So, you know, that's certainly something to monitor throughout the week. Um, you know, when it happened, he said it was something that kind of happened in-game, um, kind of an in-game situation. So I think the hope is that, that Corey would be ready to go as this week progresses. But that's one of the injuries that, that I was referring to in terms of health. You know, Drew Tranquil is another guy who did not play last week, uh, linebacker for the Chargers, and um, I think he was a limited participant today. So I think those are the, the, the two injuries to, to kind of keep an eye on from a Chargers perspective as this week goes on. There's been a lot of talk about the Raiders needing to defend their home field here in Las Vegas. And, you know, we've seen that when the Raiders play in L.A., whether 
for any reason <laughs> against the Chargers especially, but they bring a lot of fans out. There's still a lot of Raider fans in L.A. Do you think Charger fans will travel to this game because there's been a lot of talk the last couple of years, especially back to when they were playing in the soccer stadium, et cetera, about the support they get or don't get. No, I listen, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see some powder blue in that stadium. And, I, and obviously I, I don't, you guys would know better than me in terms of the get in price right now. But uh, I'll tell you this, th- there's been some really good crowds at SoFi stadium for, for some of the Chargers games. And, and it, listen, it's an, it's an obvious that, you know, the Raiders, travel everywhere uh especially la but um i bet you'll see some powder blue you know i've i've been fortunate enough to travel this year on the road and you know whether it was cincinnati or philadelphia um some other different spots um chargers fans have showed out there so uh, i know that it's it's kind of unique in that right i mean you guys could tell me this vegas it's a destination just like los angeles is so you're going to have dolphins fans coming out and, and paying top dollar to get tickets or whoever the opponent is. Um, I think it's interesting with, with the Chargers, you know, it's a, it's a quick flight or it's a, it's a four-hour drive. So I would, I would bet you to just say you would see some powder blue in the stands on Sunday. So who do you think will do more trash talking, those Charger fans in attendance or <laughs> Joey Bosa? Because every, that's the other thing that people around here have been talking about all week. Uh, Joey Bosa had some things to say about Derek Carr after the last game. And look, I'm not going to tell you he was entirely wrong based on what happened in that game. We did see Derek Carr kind of turtle up uh, on one play. But uh, is that being remembered in Los Angeles as much as it is here in Las Vegas? You know, Coach Staley was asked about that again, too. And, and he it basically, you know, you know what this is, though. I think it's all. I mean, for fans, I think this is this is awesome. I mean, like, think about when a Chargers Raiders game mattered before this year. I, th- I think Week Four was the first time since 2002 that both teams entered the game above 500. Right? That that's 19 years. So, like, we're going to see that for the second time this season, and. You know, Joey, I guess, said what he said after the game, and um, Coach Staley says that he's got the utmost respect for Carr, the way he plays and the way he leads that team. Um, Joey also was called out by Drew Locke last week. I don't know if you guys saw that on the mic up where Drew Locke pointed at him and said that he was tired, and the very next play he tackled Melvin Gordon in the backfield for a four-yard loss and let Drew Locke know about it as well. So, um I think there's, there's nothing wrong with, with fiery personalities, and obviously there's a lot of guys on the other side that, that know the Chargers pretty well, and Casey Hayward and Denzel Perryman and Phylon and Square and some of those guys. So I just think that that's the type of stuff that adds extra layers to an already kind of bitter rival, and, and then you add these storylines to it. It just makes it fun and, and you know makes me just more anxious and, and anticipatory for Sunday night. Chris Ayer joining us, CBS LA Chargers team reporter here on Cofield and Company. Chargers against the Raiders, Sunday night football. This weekend in Las Vegas, uh, what did you take out of the first game between these teams, Chris? Because the Chargers were dominant for a good portion of that game. Even the final score of 28-14 I think looks a little closer than uh, most of that game turned out to be. Is there anything that happened there that you think is instructive for what we're going to see on Sunday? Yeah, a couple of things. First, it was so early in the year, right? So it's. I think it's interesting that you know you go from week four to week eighteen 
Um, it's a long time in between matchups, but I think what went well for the Chargers, A, they had their best defensive performance. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Raiders had like maybe like one first down in the first half, um, and, and they kind of they shut down the running game. That was the one game where they really bottled up Josh Jacobs, and they got their running game going with Austin Eckler. And, and I think when the Chargers offense can get their running game going with Eckler, and now you're kind of seeing Justin Jackson – it opens up things for, for Justin Herbert and makes his life a little bit easier. But I think defensively they had their best, one of their best games of the entire season. Uh, but I just, I look at this Raiders offense and it's a little bit different now. You know, obviously, you know, Gruden was coaching the team. Uh, Henry Ruggs was on the team at that time. Um, you're seeing the, the emergence of Renfro, especially since Thanksgiving. Um, and Derwin James, when I asked him on Monday, you know, what's the biggest challenge that this, Raiders offense presents, he pointed to Renfro as being one of the first things and, and trying to defend him. So uh, I know Jacobs has been getting that running game going for the, for the Raiders the last few weeks. So uh, the run for uh, the Chargers and, and getting off the field on third down has, has been an issue up until last week. Um, I, I'm interested to see how that shakes out, getting Carr off the field on third down and then also trying to stop Josh Jacobs in the running game and kind of flip that time of possession in the Chargers' favor. Chris, we can't let you go without a prediction. What will the final <laughs> score of this game be? Who's going to the playoffs? Oh, man, you know what? I, I'm not great with predictions. I, you know, I, I, I work over with the team, so I don't want to be biased. I, I want to see I, – I, this, this is the type of game, guys, where I feel like it will come down to the fourth quarter. I feel like with both of these teams, nothing is ever – easy. I, I do think the Chargers have more firepower offensively, and I do think you know, when, when you talk about the pass rush, you know, uh, Ndokwe and, and Crosby versus Bosa and um, some of the other guys that, that get after the quarterback for the Chargers, I think that's uh, pretty close, pretty even. Um, I, I think the Chargers can squeak this one out, but I, I, I do not think by any stretch this is going to be a lopsided game either way. Uh, I'm with you on that. I, I do think we're going to have a close game one way or the other. Chris, great stuff, man. We appreciate your time, and hopefully it will not take as long to have you back as it did to have you in the first time. No, no. Let's, hey, let's, let's make sure that we don't go too far next time. We'll, we'll do like a little, uh, little uh, postseason or uh, something, uh, something in the offseason as we get to 2022. Sounds good, buddy. We appreciate it. All right, guys. It is your time to get VGK tickets right now, right now, right now. Two tickets, Golden Knights in Toronto, January 11th. That's next Tuesday. It's a 7 p.m. start. You can get your tickets, and if you are not caller 11, at ticketsaxs.com, uh, access.com, axs.com to get your tickets. Ari's going to take caller 11 right now, 364-1100, 702-364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Big congratulations to James for winning the Vegas Golden Knights tickets and... Even bigger congratulations to James for wishing Ari a happy 10-year anniversary at Lotus Broadcasting. Uh, that just shows that 
a good human is going to the Vegas Golden Knights game on Tuesday against Toronto. AXS.com for tickets if you do not have the fortune to get through to R. Let's get into that grab bag. Put your hand in there, Dave. I haven't spent a lot of time, Willie, talking about the hiring of Eric Harper as the permanent athletic director for UNLV, uh, succeeding Desiree Reed-Francois, who, of course, left for Missouri. Uh, you're a rebel. You've been a rebel for a long time. What was your reaction to seeing him being elevated from interim to permanent? Well, I, I it's not a knock against him. Um, I just... You know, when, when Desiree was hired, it was all about getting to a power five. So now I don't know if the if the vision has changed in terms of getting to a power five and needing to go out to get a big name to get this school into a, a power five. Did I say big five? A power five conference. Um, but that's not, again, it's not a knock against Eric. I, if, if, he, if he was the wherewithal. To, to do so, um, I will say this. I don't think at this point that who whomever was going to be hired, if they went and found a bigger name or if it's Eric, I don't think that it falls on at this point the AD to get this school, this athletic program into a P5. I think at this point it falls on one person, and that is Marcus Arroyo. I think that and – the, and the football program itself – I think that until that football program can prove it can compete, can prove it can bring in the dollars, the revenue, be an attraction, be a be a be a competition for, um, you know, non-conference teams. I I don't believe that it's going to be taken seriously. I don't think that the resurrection of the Running Rebels, right, um, from the the heyday with Jerry Tarkanian. I don't even think that that is going to do it. I think it's it's going to be with the football program. That being said, I do believe that the football program is headed in the right direction. I need to see the rest of this season with, with the basketball program to say the same thing. Um, last season, on the whole, based on what, this, what Marcus Arroyo was able to get these guys to buy into and how these guys competed, even in losses – I feel that next season is is a very, very big potential bowl season for Mark Shore. And then it could carry into the athletic department and what Eric can do with it. Um, as far as him as a person, I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't know what to say to, to judge him because we have yeah. to see what he does now that's his job. Yeah, and that's only fair. We're we're not passing judgment on on Eric Harper and his tenure at UNLV up until this point and his fundraising capacity and so on and so on. That's not what we're here to talk about. Ultimately, what we're talking about when it comes to UNLV is expectations. And my yep. thoughts on what UNLV should do changed from the time Desiree Reed-Francois left to the time Eric Harper was hired. And it happened as I watched the crowds for running Rebel Basketball at the beginning of this season. And again, from Willie's days... From my days when I first got to Vegas in the late 80s, it is unfathomable to see the Thomas and Mac look the way it does for UNLV men's basketball right now. And that is not passing judgment on fans. It is just disbelief. It is hard to believe that the same arena where it was impossible to get in at some times, and not all that long ago, 
it was impossible to get a ticket for certain games. You're now drawing two and three thousand fans on the regular. You're giving away tickets for free when you play at Mandalay Bay. It's just hard to even imagine that took my thought about what UNLV needs to do from bringing in someone with whether it's TV contract experience, whether it is someone with power, more power five experience that changed my thought from that to stability, to realism, to UNLV needing to say to itself, where are we really right now? What, what really legitimately is the state of this program in 2022? Because even the one thing you used to be able to rely on running Rebel Basketball, I'm not even talking about the quality of the program. I'm just talking about fan interest at this point. Yeah, it, It's not there the same way, Willie. And, and, and I hear you with football because you're right. That program did have a lot of competitive losses this year. But we also know that UNLV football fans at this point don't want to hear about any kind of losses. Good losses, bad losses, moral victories. They, they just have watched too many losses to care unless they start to see things turn. No, and and I'm not trying to bring up in any way, shape, or form, you know, the uh, those those kinds of losses. Is what, what's the phrase that's escaping me? The, the old moral the, victories. Moral victories. I, I'm not trying to bring that up. What I'm saying is, is that it could have easily went awry on Marcus Royal, and those guys fought for him to the end, and they were competitive. And I think that in year three, he has a good chance of turning it around. I'm with you on the crowd. It's disappointing to see that after me being going to the rotunda and going to the opening days of the thomas and mac and the heyday through the national championship team so it'll be interesting to see him turn things around i mean you know i think i think there's a lot of positive mindset over there our thanks go out to chris hare justin watkins caleb herring adam hill for joining us here on the show today we will be back with cofield and company tomorrow vgk playing tomorrow night against the New York Rangers at T-Mobile. Hello, Gerard Gallant.